This evening's Dharma talk is titled Insist on the Preliminaries. So insist on the preliminaries. What are the preliminaries? Begin at the beginning. And in this kind of practice, a little bit different than the mundane life that most of us are leading, all of us are leading in some way, getting here, getting there, getting our job done, getting our paycheck, paying the rent, paying the house payment, catching up with our student loans, very mundane kind of approach. A spiritual path begins in that way because you have to, very mundane, you have to find a, something that resonates with you as on the same frequency. It might be Catholicism, might be uh, indigenous uh, teaching from uh, the Oglala Sioux. Could be many things. There's no right or wrong. That's a misunderstanding. So again, what differentiates the mundane path from the spiritual path is the mundane is just that. Cause it, it operates out of cause and effect. And some people are very born uh, into a situation where they're very gifted in that area. It might be something that's as simple as just being born to someone who's incredibly wealthy. Or it could be born to somebody who's not so wealthy, but you're born you are well favored in that you were born with really powerful genes. In other words, you're really high IQ or something like that. You have a strong ability to take something round and put it through a circle over and over and over again. You just kind of know how to do that. Not that you don't have to practice, but you have a natural ability. Just like with uh, uh, Chazan, this gentleman sitting right here, who is a senior monk here in this monastery. If I were to pick up something and throw it at him, even without warning, he would catch it. Not because he said it's so wonderful, he's not, but because he has a natural reaction to anything and anything that's mo in, in motion, he gets it, he catches it. So he would much rather be playing minor league baseball than doing this. But here he is trapped in a monastery <laughs> for the rest of his life. Or maybe not. Who knows what's going to happen? We don't know. But if the, the mundane path is enough for you, then it's enough. I would never inter interfere with anyone's life to say, you should be doing this. That's a, a shall we say, without judging it, just defining it, uh, explaining it, just kind of a lower level of understanding of the spiritual path. That everybody should be, be doing what we're, we have the, the corner on the truth and everybody should be doing this. That's the interesting thing about Buddhism in most of its uh, forms is very respectful of other people's spiritual path and most of them, not all some of them are a little on the self-centered side i think they're right you can only do it attain enlightenment by doing what we say so the mundane path you can actually have a you can learn you can make progress you have you can make rank as they say in the military you can get further and further and, and everyone around you will acknowledge that you, know, you have 15 people all with a phd if anybody says anything about, especially out of their field, says anything about it, anything, you tend to give them the benefit of the doubt, even though they could be lying. So when it's being said to uh, emphasize, return to the basics, emphasize that in, in the mundane path, you might not have to go very far back because you already kind of have it. You kind of get it together and it's kind of a, this area of your expertise, your knowledge, you already know if you're a, a, a historian, you know, you're, uh, depending on what area you're in, you already know a lot of things, you already have a lot of things to support your knowledge, give you your credibility. Interesting thing about the spiritual path is as you go along, all of that starts to fall off. If you're actually on the spiritual path. Now, if you're on the spiritual path, uh, uh, or the mundane path disguised as a spiritual path, if you don't know what that is, you should ask about it. And I'd be happy to share my incredible insight.
So what am I what am I saying? I'm, I'm saying that if you want to uh, if you want to walk the spiritual path, you're, you're going to have to have some sacrifices there. I don't know what other word to give them, but one of them is you have to give up on wanting something else. You have to, insofar as you can, you have to be with whatever is occurring. It takes a lot of what's the fancy word, moxie, to be able to do that day after day after day. Come into this uh, monastery, sit down, face this wall with no wish for something to be different. And at the same time, aspire to understand the teachings of the Buddha, which is that, simply put, everything is dependently arisen. There is no, nothing comes from its own side as a self, or comes from its own side as an other. That is a misunderstanding of consciousness and of this physical reality that we all share. And what motivates that, or what keeps the engine running in that, that grasping, that materialistic, spiritual materialism, scientific materialism, cultural materialism of getting this and keeping away that. We need this, but we don't need that. Always, always doing that. And sometimes that gets so intense that we're willing to even hurt other people with some kind of a justification about, well, they got in the way. Well, they, they shouldn't have done, they shouldn't have been there in that, at that time. We always have some way of explaining. So there's a book by the title of Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, written, it's a series of talks that were trans, uh, transcribed and put into book form back in, I think, 1970, 60, 69 or 70. Talks of uh, Shun Ryu, this is Suzuki Roshi, lived in California for about 10 years until he passed away. Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, in other words, Zen or heart or truth, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. As he said in the in the expert's mind, the possibilities are very few because they're full of their expertise, their accumulated knowledge, their accumulated acumen. Whereas in the beginner's mind, the possibilities are measurable because they're just here and they don't know much and they don't attach, detach. They don't meddle with anything that's coming or going. That's very difficult to do that because our ego mind, our self-centered mind, our narcissistic mind wants something to be different. This is a basic of the Four Noble Truths of the Buddha. Life is suffering or difficulty, which is the first one. And the cause of that is wanting things to be different than they are, which keeps that whole suffering cycle, discontent, dissatisfaction on the move all the time. Winning and losing, winning and losing, getting and losing. That's not been seen through. But what was the title again? It's what? What was it? Insists the preliminaries. Insist? Okay. I guess I can return to that title. So by insist on the preliminaries, the idea is in your, if you want to, you could say change gears might be a word or maybe not, but if you want to move from the mundane path that goes on and on of gain and loss, gain and loss, gain and loss, night and day, night and day, night and day and day, right till the time when this body collapses back into the elements and your uh, spirit, your consciousness, uh, nothing happens to it. You can also do that. You're free, sovereign. You're not condemned to do anything. This is an amazing thing about a human being. So if you have an interest in transcending this world and seeing what is fundamentally true about this life, what is fundamentally true about being a living being? Is it just who's got the most ability, who's got the most money, who's got the most power? Well, we see it all over the place. It's just a, the world is just a mess with grasping and clutching and pushing and pulling and hope and fear all over the place, confusion. And in a few areas, there are those who are interested in uh, seeing what this fundamentally is. They're not necessarily going to a mountaintop and separating themselves from the rest of humanity. They're willing to do it right in the middle of, as it is sometimes said, the marketplace, right in the city, right in uh, neighborhoods, 
So the simple way of saying insist on the fundamental, insist on the preliminaries. The preliminaries in this particular path called Buddhism is uh, find a way to return to square one. Find a way to return to the fundamental situation as much as you can that you're in. Feels a little artificial at first until you've done it for a few years. Sit down, hold still, watch what moves. That's the way I teach it. Yes. What about it feels artificial? What is the artificial feeling about returning? I think it's, you mean coming and sitting? I think you said something that returning has an artificial feeling until you've done it for a few yes. years. Yes. That's what I'm curious well, the, the one I'm using is uh, sitting meditation. I'm sure there are other things that we could maybe talk about or elaborate on or guess at. But the one that I'm familiar with is to stop moving around, hold still, sit in a symmetrical situ- form, because body and mind are not separate. They just keep separating because of open fear. But who you are, what your body is, what your mind is, are not two different things. Any more than this hand is different from this hand. There's a difference, but not that much. A little bit. They're about that far away from each other. <laughs> right now, I'm looking to see who's smiling. Not because I'm so funny, but because I can tell if you're paying attention. If everybody stopped paying attention, then I'd probably go to sleep. So the idea, simply put, in a very mundane way, is if you want to find out who you are, regardless of, you don't have to join Buddhism, necessarily. You don't have to, I don't have to, you don't have to talk to me about it. it. might help if you did, but you don't have to. You could actually just sit down every day, hold still, and watch your mind for an hour or two. And then when you got back up, you might not notice in this uh, sitting practice itself any great relief, in fact, an infection. You might notice even more suffering, more difficulty. And you might say, because this is what the mind does, comes to conclusions over and over and over and over again. Watch your mind come to conclusions. See if you can find the off switch. You don't need to conclude anything. If you're con- this is how a conclusion looks. Oh, now I see what it is. <laughs> and now you don't. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm totally incorrect. Maybe I'm full of meatballs. But by coming in, finding a situation where you come in, sit down, hold still, watch what moves, you begin to understand for yourself in your own mind what the mind actually is. You won't be able to tell anyone about it because that understanding transcends language. It's like trying to describe the taste of a banana. Not so easy. You're more likely to say, well, just taste the banana, and you'll know. Oh, that's all bananas. It's not going to work to say, well, it's kind of like a avocado but not so green. It's kind of like you know, you can, you can, something as simple as that, just the taste of something. Taste, even though there's a, there's, a, there's a strong connection between how something tastes and what you think, it's interesting how you can't get from how something tastes to how you think back into language and explain what that is. Can't do it. A very simple, ordinary thing. That, if you go to that, that will give you a little bit of a taste, no pun intended, of what the ultimate, what, what the absolute is like. It's like you aren't going to be able to describe this. You can't even promote it. Eat bananas. So if you come, sit down, eventually by watching this for an hour or two a day over a period of time, probably a few years, it could, things could begin to change in a few weeks. could begin to change in a few days. But it's all dependent on, it's all dependently arisen. So for a while, everything is dependent upon your particular karma your particular causes and conditions that show up as your way of relating with anger, with jealousy, with hope, with fear, with everything, with relating to others, how much you operate out of fear, how much you operate out of hope. Those are the two, uh, it's called in the Tibetan tradition, those are the, called the bandits of hope and fear. Those are the two little gremlins hiding in the bushes that when the centaur of wisdom walks through, they, they bind her so she can't see where she's going. She's still there. She just has clouds in front of her.
So what do you do? You sit down and you look at the clouds. You look at the clouds. You look at the confusion. Please, when you experience uh, confusion in your mind about anything, do not meddle with it. Trying to get rid of your confusion, either through drugs or through artificial means, or even jogging. If you're jogging to feel better, I'm not saying it will work. Of course it'll work. Of course that'll work, but it's mundane, it's temporary. People who are on this path are, if they're understanding it and beginning to, to beginning to show up for them what this is really about, uh, they will begin to use anything that comes, the negativity, the positivity, anything as a Dharma gate or as a way of seeing more deeply who you are and what this is. Question. You said something about the sack of the spiritual path. I was wondering how that shows up. And how well, I think you could say something about it. In order to be here, you have an inspiration to be here. Um, I had an inspiration to have a, a spiritual life, and I didn't know how to do it. I kept reading about it and reading about it for a long, long time. Until I met my teacher, I didn't know what to do about it because I would keep getting pulled this way and that way. And I was reading the I Ching, and then I would go, go from that to studying astrology, and then I would go from studying astrology to studying handwriting analysis, and then Palm Street. I mean, it's just, you know, wanting to know where there's got to be some kind of something somewhere that where I can know that I'm just not going in circles and wasting my time. I, was, I think all those things are very suspect until I met my teacher and all the circularity came to a halt. And I started to suffer pretty intensely, intensely, because I'd been covering up the suffering all along. So it got really bad for a while. So that kind of, uh, you're kind of giving up on, you know, you can keep this covered up if you don't go that way, but you don't. So you're in a position of, uh, I don't want it to be covered up, but I don't like the, how I'm feeling. So, but yet I don't, I don't want to cover it up. So I don't like how I'm feeling. So you're doing some of that along and everyone I think would have their own variety of that and if you uh, the people who are uh, who are monastery uh, residents uh, know how I work with that and I don't do this in every case but if somebody is suffering I don't necessarily congratulate them that's wonderful I'm so glad you're suffering but I, I try to help people see that this is an opportunity you're in an incredible container to to practice um, awareness practice to actually prioritize your awareness over what arises in it most of the world is looking at the clouds and the weather conditions. The wisdom mind is just, is just the sky. Things come and go, do whatever they want to do. The cloud, no matter how the tsunami, the typhoon, hurricane, no matter how horrible it is, leaves no mark on the sky. You can't, you can't leave a mark on it. That's the space in which things occur. Same thing with the mind. Everything can, when you understand what this is, there's nothing that can threaten you. Threaten you because you are no longer identified with something that can be removed or produced or changed or modified or anything. Your wisdom is, uh, this is what is called, what uh, is uh, referred to in the teachings as Buddha nature. It doesn't mean you're some guy that's, uh, that looks like this. This is just a, a, some, something to focus on. It's no different than the flower, than the kotsu, these sticks, this coffee cup just looks like that. So as a reminder of what we're trying to do in this lifetime, if you're in this room, you've probably done this before. And if you're back, you probably didn't get it the first time. Uh, Marla from over in Beverly Hills, Michigan asks, um, please explain a mundane path disguised as a spiritual path. What will this look like and how would we know if we're on it? Mm -hmm. Might not. It would be one where there's spiritual materialism or some kind of gaining idea where you're getting ahead, you're getting better, you're getting more, 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 more. You're slowly 
becoming more accomplished, uh, more stable, uh, less affected by uh, whatever, what else is happening. It could be that. It could also be a, a totally different um, situation where you're saying mantras in order to get a new Mercedes, you know, and, it's, and you're told by the people around you that this is this is what God wants you to have, or it's pretty rampant if you look around you. You don't need me to explain it. Yes. You had said that our suffering can be an opportunity for us. Yes. What's the best way to make use of that suffering? So to look at it and don't add to it, don't subtract, from, don't explain it, don't find necessarily go to a reason for it, although there might be one there. You might be walking uh, or down your sidewalk or something, and, and then you suddenly find that the neighbor has the neighbor's dog has tipped over your garbage can or something and do, does that over and over. And no matter what you say to them, they don't do anything about it. It's a very simple form of suffering. But that could be looked at as a, it's not that you're, you're doing away with what's happening. You could still take care of that and operate on some level of interaction with that person. But this, the confusion and the suffering and the irritation that comes up is yours. That is, that is your when I say yours, I'm talking about your manifestation is you've been covering that up. And so now that's being triggered by something outside, uh, outside you know, as another some event that's happening that is um, on this, a similar frequency to that. More? How can we see that that is ours when the finger pointing can be so? If it's so just to see it, the finger pointing that is spontaneous, like blaming them for how you feel, uh, it just needs to be observed. And it takes time. Uh, you will observe it and add on to it, and you'll say, well, even in your own mind, you'll say, well, I know I'm just blaming, but I don't care. I still, they still did it, and I wouldn't feel this way. And if they didn't do that, I wouldn't feel this. So therefore, they're, they're somewhat responsible. And we will just go to any lengths to get some kind of a scenario where we don't have to be to blame. And then you can take it the other way and say, well, if there's no one to blame, then there's no self. So how can there be anyone to blame? And we can all go into all kinds of philosophy about it. And what do I say? Well, do that. Sit down, hold still, look at the wall and do it over and over and over and over until that that very presence, that very stillness begins. This is the way of talking about it. It doesn't work exactly like this. It begins to show up right in the middle of your confusion. Suddenly you have this incredible open space starts to show up in the very finger pointing you're about to do. You uh, Sometimes this is called a sense of humor. I'm sure all of you have found a situation where you're very, very serious about something and it just suddenly looks kind of ridiculous that you're making such a uh, mountain out of a anthill. I'm true talking about moles. They get a bad rap more. David? How does Buddha nature show up in the sky? It doesn't. It is the sky. And if you look closely, at the sky, there really isn't anything there. You know, it's it's kind of a it, it's kind of blue, but then it's not the sky that's blue. What is blue? Is it the reflection of the all the blue paint all over the earth? Well, I guess that's called water. But the water's reflecting the sky. So I don't know. You'd have to talk to a meteorologist. Not a bad question. Yes. Um, so when we're working with our negativity, uh, may we not we might not be able to get back to seeing that it's our negativity initially. Very true. Repetition. If there's some kind of, if there's some kind of inspiration to see what this is, then there's going to be some kind of inspiration to be genuine, be true to yourself, and be genuine and be true to others. And it's just a very tiny little spark. Sometimes in the Mahayana path, which is what this uh, Zen Buddhism is, the part of the Mahayana path or the open way, it's called bodhicitta or the the mind of awakening, the, the heart of awakening. It seems to reside somewhere in this area. 
not in this area and not in this area. And you, you sense that and it, uh, and it's, uh, there's a lot of energy there, a lot of power there. You just keep returning to that, return to your original inspiration to even walk on the spiritual path because it can get pretty dark and gloomy at times. Questions from anyone? Yes. Junchu. We are endeavoring to walk the spiritual path, but we keep coming up against how attached we are to the mundane world. Are we actually on the spiritual path? Yes. People who are attached to the mundane world are not aware of it. They're not, they don't even think about attachment. They just are trying to get the Mercedes or trying to get their, uh, trying to protect their uh, collector cars. But on the spiritual path, you're going to be more and more aware of the way in which you keep uh, grasping at some things, rejecting others, and, and it's going to be difficult. But you're, but you're bringing that into awareness rather than covering it up with some kind of ideation or some kind of explanation or some kind of analysis about, oh, it's okay for you to do this, or, or uh, well, other people are doing this, so I'm not about to give this up myself. That's passion, and then there's the warfare part, which is aggression, and then there's the the hardest one to see is the one where you just distract yourself. Something is really difficult, and you can either distract yourself with drugs. It doesn't have to be some terrible, horrible drug. It can just be let's have a smoke, or it could be uh, uh, any of you who do that, or any of you who drink will notice how that's a little break from everything. And we're not saying you shouldn't take breaks. What am I saying? Anybody? Yeah, be aware of it. He's heard this so much, he can't, that's probably the limit of his vocabulary. <laughs> I mean, I just say, be aware of it. This is a, only this way can, this is called the Mahayana path. It is not the, the path of some kind of a, a clamping down on people and making them do a certain thing or follow certain rules. This is about observation, awareness, and, and a deep understanding of what is arising. So it's about awareness of things. Your awareness of what's happening to you could be, uh, Pretty crappy. It might happen for weeks, months, years. I don't know. But if you're if you're if you if you're on the path, uh, nothing lasts, and even that difficulty will terminate. Especially if you don't feel it by being aggressive with it, or feel it by explaining it, or blaming others, or blaming your situation. I'm not saying that your situation as a child isn't responsible in some way for your negative feelings. I'm just saying if you blame it, you will never. Not never but you, you will cause more circularity to happen because you can't solve uh, relative truth. The very nature of relative truth is it's untrue. What is fundamentally true? Uh, absolute truth. And how do you find that? You look very closely at relative truth without fueling it. You look at passion, aggression, and ignorance without adding anything to it, no criticism. And if you do criticize, then you look at the criticism, which is double negativity. You have the negativity comes up as a, Oh, I just lost my temper, you know, and then if you if you bring on in order to the ego does not want to be responsible for that outburst. So we will bring on explanations. Well, if she hadn't, he hadn't, they hadn't done that. Well, it's because of this. Usually I'm very uh, controlled. I can control myself, but, but it, they did that. And that's why. So we just buy into that whole circularity, that whole uh, Coney Island of the mind. Things are coming and going and coming and going. Somehow we can hide our self-centeredness and all that convoluted uh, confetti. Well, the spiritual path is going to come in like a, like a, um, I have to have a cup of coffee here. What does it come in like? A blowtorch? A giant alligator? Mice? Yes, go ahead. How does our relationship to the mundane world change as we walk the spiritual path? You, it changes because you see you're not separate from anything. 
see everywhere you look, you see yourself, not because you see your face in somebody else, but you, you, it's like looking at your family all the time. It's like looking at your children all the time. You don't, you don't feed one ch child unless you're insane. You don't feed one child and starve the other. You help everybody. It's a, such a simple, sim uh, simple idea that it's easy to steal that idea rather than actually live it, to steal it and use it to get ahead. We're all for you. We're just trying to help people. We just want to do this or do that. Uh, that's what, that's what, uh, that's when uh, they absconded with the teaching of Karl Marx and turned communism into terrorism. Yes, sir. How do you cope with your uh, personal fail failures? Okay, so simply put, without knowing specifically, is you sit down, hold still, and you watch them. And you don't, you don't buy into anything, you don't buy anything, you don't sell anything, and you certainly don't look away from it. It's like looking at Craigslist forever. You don't get to buy anything, you don't get to sell anything, and, and you're, you have to look at it. Yeah. No? That's not it? Not a good idea. Not a good idea? No. But it's like that kind of, you know, you have this stuff come and go and you have to just you have to kind of get used to looking at it and if you do it enough then you realize it's two things it's both your uh, failure and it's both uh, that and it's also not your failure that's the way ego or self-centeredness works uh, there, you, you can't get rid of something that is unreal the ego is unreal it's a fabrication it's a it's just horse manure it's just unreal but we so, we're so conditioned through this lifetime, other lifetimes, if you want to say it that way, to buy and sell, get and lose, get and lose, um, be born and die and support and kill. It's just, it's just a, and, and it's such a, a, a mixed up situation. So what, what do we do? We find, as my teacher, Kobanchino Roshi, who passed away in 2002, said, sometimes we just naturally sit down for a while. And so. My way of saying that is sit down, hold still, observe. Don't have to be a Buddhist. Don't have to even study Buddhism. Might take you a lot longer if you don't have the, the support of uh, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, or the example of sanity, the teaching of no separation, or the teaching of dependent origination, and the family of the Buddha, or those people who are trying to understand this incredible teaching coming down to us through the lineage, live, warm hand to warm hand, right to from the 2,500 years ago to the present moment. You can't learn this out of a book. When you say to return to our original inspiration to see the truth, is, mm -hmm. does that return a kind of focus? It could be. So I would say it could be some focus. I think it's going, it's going and seeing that, that you, don't, you don't want to suffer. You're, you're, you're tired of the, of the feeling pretty good and then things just going to pieces. And, feeling, and then kind of counting, and you hope, you hope, you're in a relationship where finally I met somebody that I really love and that loves me. And, it, and then because of their circularity and their confusion and your circularity and your confusion about not being clear about the fundamental mistaken identity. There are no separate beings, my friends. There's just this. And if you think there are separations, then you buy into the whole success and failure, the eight worldly dharmas of everything. Even life and death is, uh, life is not separate from death. This is alive and dead at the same time, and this is too, just that I'm not concerned with it. So you could, you could say, look at the circularity of being happy and sad and happy and sad. It's just a, it's painful to go back and forth, and we're always the ego mind, the self-centered mind. The identity is trying to figure, you know, the, the Eastern uh, image for that is this, and the Western image is, uh, is this one. 
Who, whose sculpture is that? Rodin. <laughs> the thinker. <laughs> gotta figure this out, man. Phew. Gotta figure this out. And, and you may have to do that for a while. And if you're, if you are free and well favored, if you're well favored, you might stumble into this incredible teachings. Look, we got room for a lot more people in here. There's millions of people live around here. There's only a few people are ready to hear this. You're here, I would say, might as well listen. You're here, might as well give me the benefit of the doubt. You're here, don't believe a word I say. You won't find many people say that to you because I, I know that doesn't work. I don't want you to believe it. I want you to understand, and you need to do that yourself. If you, as soon as you start to believe anything, this is how it looks. As soon as you believe something, all investigation ceases. If you disbelieve things, all investigation ceases. And if you look away, pretty obvious what that is. Distract yourself. Further questions? Um, your talk title was Insist on the Preliminaries. Yes. In this practice, what is, the pre what is preliminary? <clears throat> well, simply put, it's uh, find a teaching, which this is the Buddhist teaching. Find a teacher. This functions as a teacher, and there's other people in here that function as teachers. Um, follow the instruction and try it. Give it the benefit of the doubt. Give it a couple years, especially for those of you who are very young. Why not give it a couple years? Even for those of you who are old, which nobody's as old as I am, so you could try it out. Well, I think there's a few people older than me, but not many. Most of my the people I know are dead. <laughs> I mean, they used to know. <laughs> not you guys. You guys are fine. <laughs> You're gonna be fine. So the preliminary is a. Uh, is to find a simple way, not, not about belief or disbelief, but find a simple way to find out who you are. This is a do-it-yourself transcendental, do-it-yourself program where you, you learn about this, someone tells you that understands this, what this is, and then you, you commit some part of your life, hopefully a lot of your life. Some people have to be here. There isn't a person that lives here that is here because they had some kind of particular choice about it. They, no one was brought into here through any propaganda other than sent you. <laughs> She's so open-minded, I had to help her. <laughs> so preliminary, come in, sit down, hold still, watch the mind come and go, come and go, and come and go. And slowly what happens is the, the attachment to things that are coming and going, your positive, negative, neutral thoughts, uh, so just to use a, a visual metaphor, the, your, your focus, though it's just watching things come and go, thoughts come, thoughts go, the breathing happens, uh, the birds in the trees, uh, the cardinal makes a noise. The people walk down the hallway, somebody closes the door too abruptly. So we hear, we, we, we just receive, we give everything our attention and we just receive, just receive. And what starts to get st stronger is not, not the things that are rising and falling, and they may or may not, but at some, time, at some point you're not particularly concerned whether they're getting stronger. But what gets stronger is the space in which they occur. And the space in which they occur is not actually space. We just use that as a metaphor, just like the sky. You look, so someone says, look at the sky. If you look at, up at the sky, you really can't see anything. If you see something, it's not the sky. What is it? Find out, find out, sit down. You have, all you have to do is take all this outward looking at everything constantly all day and take that same awareness, that prajna, which is the Sanskrit word for wisdom, just turn that around and find out who you are. Don't let your, don't miss your life. Don't let your life go by. You don't have to be a Buddhist. You don't have to, you might have to train your mind. You might have to sit still so you can see it. If you can see it while you're moving around, well, good luck, because that's very rare. Yes, sir. How do our external senses help us see who we are? By seeing that we need to turn within. 
you look out, you look out, you look out, and you see how captivated we are by everything. So then you look in and find, see if you can't find the watcher. See if you can't find the witness to all of this. See if you can find some, see if you can find somebody here that sees this. Are all of our senses engaged in that during? They can be. You're sitting, you're observing, you're listening, you're giving everything your attention, including how your body feels, how your clothing feels. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You said earlier to find a way to return to the fundamental situation. Mm-hmm. When we have mundane obligations, can we return to that situation while and without them? I think it's uh, it's possible to do if one has an ongoing practice, and um, I think a, a minimum practice. And there's no right or wrong. Some one person can sit for ten minutes, and it's like somebody else sitting for two hours. So I'm just saying that it affects everyone differently. Just like if a, if a child is going to meditate, a minute's enough. For a child to sit down and hold still for more than a minute is pretty unusual. Though so a few of them have done that. And so you're, you know, you have a job, you have a business, you're a counselor, so you're doing that. So sometimes you can sit for several hours in a day, and other ways you, other times you can't. You know how that is. Don't need to explain it. And I'm just saying, but basically your your main your main emphasis is this. Pretty soon your main emphasis is going to be that baby is coming in November. So you have to ask me that question then. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, so you just do the best you can. It's, I think it's the original uh, attitude of wanting to do this. Then we just work with life as it comes and goes. Sometimes I get sick, I can't get in here. Not often, but then I have to work with that situation. So we, we learn to, just by sitting on the, on the cushion and uh, facing a wall, we learn to meet things where they're at. And your expectation of what clarity or wisdom or enlightenment, your, your idea of what that is like, you are going to be uh, really disappointed because you are not going to get anything out of this. The ego mind gets no reward, uh, as has been said by my first teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. The actual realization or awakening is uh, the funeral of the ego. So it's, it's, it wants something better, but all it's going to get is its own death. And even not even that, because it's not real, so it can't die. Then it gets really confusing. You find yourself talking to you. More questions? Yes. Michelle? You often talk, and just in general, of dealing with the negative emotions and negativity, the negativity. Yes. Would we deal with extreme happiness and joy in the same, in the same way? You could. It's so different with each person. So some, some, some people are extremely polarized between those. And if they don't have a, some kind of a um, practice to help stabilize that, then those extremes can get them in trouble in lots of ways. It makes things more confusing for themselves, for their family, for, it just gets, can get very difficult. So when on the spiritual path, eventually those things start to slow down a little bit. I'm not saying they're not there, but they're looked at in a different way, especially by practitioners of this path. They're looked at as Dharma gates rather than something to be gotten rid of like I want to get rid of that polarity. Instead, we're 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 not fighting with it. We're not necessarily inviting it in. You know, give me more of that terrible stuff. We're not talking about not talking about um, a martyr kind of idea. I just need to have all this suffering. But where you're just open to see how that operates, you're you're looking at how that operates, and it could be happiness to notice how you're very happy about certain situations. And other times, you if you watch that closely without interfering. You'll notice how there are times when you get extremely happy, no reason at all. And you'll find other times you're extremely sad or bummed or just depressed, no reason at all. Do nothing with them. 
If you meddle with any of those, all you're doing is spinning the whole thing around so that's that much, I'm gonna use a mundane uh, reference point, it's that much longer before you actually see what this is and see there's nothing to fight. There's nothing to fix, there's nothing to repair, there's nothing broken. And uh, the Zogchen, te Zogchen teachings coming out of the early centuries of, uh, of Buddhist uh, entry of Buddhism into Tibet, <clears throat> teachings of Longchenpa, nothing to fix. It's called, uh, uh, Zogchen uh, translates as the, the great perfection, that once you see it, you realize everything is completely perfect as it is. And of course, this is relatively, that's difficult to understand because at the same time, you're seeing people slaughtered in Syria, you're seeing people in this country, locked up when they haven't done anything wrong. They just ha don't happen to have the right skin color. If we notice a negative situation um, with a person or yes, there's a bank teller I don't like, is it helpful to make a form around purposefully interacting with them to observe that? Don't do that. Uh, you want to do something pur purposeful? Return to the fundamentals, return, come in and train the mind. Because if you train the mind, then every time you go to the bank teller, someone who is difficult, then the, you, it's, it, nothing ever repeats itself. But unless there's a very clear awareness, you will attribute uh, repetition. You can't actually do anything twice. If you think you can, then this is just this is the way the circularity works. And so, what I would say is to address more closely, address your what you're asking about is eventually. Uh, through awareness practice, eventually you'd be more and more clear about that difficulty you'd have with the, with the bank teller. And what probably would occur, there's no guarantee, but probably would occur is because your awareness is prioritized, just aware, just aware, just be like the sky. Clouds come, clouds go. That eventually what else would show up in that clarity that you would be uh, prioritizing as you sit in the cushion and watch your uh, tumbling around mind is you would eventually what start to show up in the uh, distress that you have with that person is how much that person is suffering and how much they're suffering, they're converting into something that is showing up as a, an obstacle for you. You begin to see deeply how it's like having a child crying. You don't really care why they're crying, you just wanna take care of them. You don't need to say, you could say why you're crying, but with children, you're gonna cry about all kinds of things. So the same thing with the, with that, or similar to that, does that, you have another question about that? Is it helpful to bring a memory of that interaction to the cushion? Very little. If you're sitting for an hour, then don't spend any more than a minute on that. In other words, don't, uh, don't, uh, uh, you, you know, you don't need too many zombies in your mind. You follow me? You don't need to resurrect things because something about that is very tricky when we start contemplating negativity or contemplating anything. You have to, especially, but especially negativity, somehow the ego mind uses that as fuel to, well, at least I'm dealing with it. Well, at least I'm looking at it suspicious from the point of view of the path. You follow me a little bit? Does it, does it resonate with you a little bit? Yeah. Any other question about that? What does it mean to, to view something as a Dharma gate without doing those things? Uh, to, to view something as a Dharma gate is to do nothing with it. Don't stop it. Don't encourage it. Don't turn away from it. And it will, it will, because nothing lasts, anything that's arising, if you do nothing with it, you just hold still. It changes into something else. Sometimes it turns around in such a way that you can see the backside of it. You actually see that that terrible mask that was looking at you is going, is that scary? You turn it around and you think it's just a thing with holes in it. Not scary at all. It's a mask. 
That's uh, an image I borrowed from uh, my teacher. So we're past nine. Take one more question if there anyone, especially someone who hasn't asked a question. Okay, thank you very much. And I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that we have in the hallway. We greatly appreciate your financial support. Help us in all that you can. We also take debit and credit cards. You can see June Shoe for that. We receive checks in the mail at 33 Anderson Court, Battle Creek, Michigan, 49017, and You're cash. You're pretty good at that. <laughs> <laughs> we might not starve after all. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.